Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and blessings. Welcome to the superior power of Black America. We're waiting for our host to join us, Daryl Friedman. I'm on the phone. I say, waiting for you. Yes, you are. And you're on on it. All we right. had Good morning, everyone. This is Darrow D. Uh, with the Superior Power in Black America show. I do have a couple of special guests today, uh, Mr. Darren Carter and Casey Coleman, uh, two new members of SPIBA. SPIBA, if you remember, is the organization that was created out of the Superior Power in Black America book. The book actually is uh, online at lulu.com. You can definitely purchase it there. Uh, it has moved into a, it has become a movement. Uh, we also want to thank Queen Mother for Real Radio for allowing us to have this show. Now, this is a very important platform, and Queen Mother seems to have all the insights on why it's so important. It's information that we all need to have. So I'm waiting on my callers to call in. Uh, if anyone is out there, please uh, definitely give us a call. The number that you can call in on is 347-989-0180. Again, the number is 347-989-0180. And I am waiting on my... Um, Daryl, your guests are here. I have their microphones open. And so How are you? Thank you for How are you? Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Queen Mother. And uh, who am I speaking with at this time? Uh, this is Casey Coleman. Hello, Mr. Coleman. How are you? I'm so happy that you were able to call in to the show. Uh, man, so uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Casey. Well, uh, uh, I'm a care professional. I worked working in the medical field for over 20 years, and 
I just was a uh, concerned uh, a concerned citizen of these of these of these United States that we are not um, putting our money back into our communities. I, I, I this is a very this is a very important topic for me. This is a the uh, SPIVA movement is uh, very important to me. Uh, we have, um, I have networked across the country. Uh, me, and, uh, me and like-minded people have spoken about this subject uh, many times, and uh, the SPIVA movement gives me a chance to uh, do something instead of talking about it. So uh, I would uh, like everyone to... Um, you know, uh, put you know, just put your money where your mouth is, and and uh, realize the power of the black dollar. We we have power in our um, in our you know in our um, spending practices. Uh, you see that by the um, the Black Friday boycott. Uh, you see, Walmart is closing all these stores now because they, you know, we you, we have to realize what we what power that we do have. Um, we I think it was very successful. The uh, uh, we we couldn't we didn't get everyone, but we got enough to make a difference. Well, you know, Casey, I can give you another example, man, of uh, how that how the uh, superior power. Uh, in black America or the superior dollar power really is effective. Uh, not long ago there was a college uh, that sh- that had racism, just blatant racism in it, and the football team decided to boycott and not come to the game. Well, yeah, the college, sorry. Yeah, the yeah, university. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So the college fires the uh, president because he wasn't sensitive enough, you know, but that wasn't the reason why they fired him. They fired him because of the economic crisis that they were going to uh, experience right after this boycott. Nobody coming to the game. That was big, thousands, millions of dollars that they were not going to get for that college. And so, hey, my man had to go. And that well, is the power uh, that we have. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we had to do the same thing to our coach. Uh, me and me and uh, Darren went to the University of North Alabama, and, and we had Darren to Carter here. By the way, I am here. Hey, hi, everybody. Good afternoon, yeah. Darren. Man, I'm so happy that you got in, Darren. I was I was yeah. just wondering. My heart was beating, but I'm glad no, you're I, here. I, welcome, I, welcome, my brother. <laughs> I've actually been here for the whole show. I just yeah. Decided, decided <laughs> to right now. Okay, go ahead, Case. Tell the story. No, unfortunately, you had to do that. Uh, at, at the college we went to, University of North Alabama in 1988, we had to get our coach fired for uh, almost. Uh, it was almost the same thing. It, it was. It was a terrible thing. It made me, uh, you know, uh, really bitter about the educational and collegiate sports process. You know, I've never. You know, you go in. You go into it at a. Um, you know you're you're very wide eyed you you're very wide eyed and and you don't understand business and money you don't understand what the how thinking. much money that the colleges make off the athletes you know it's it's 
it's it's uh you know it's a it's a million it's a actually it's a billion dollar industry and um you know we had to do the same thing at the university of north alabama it was uh you know i i, I would like to be happy that that we accomplished what we set out to do but it still left a bitter taste in my mouth because you know i i uh, end up leaving the university you know um you know, at a, you know, just at a crucial time in my life. And, you know, it just left a bit of taste in my mouth that we had to uh, fight back. Yeah, that we had to fight back like that for, you know, just, just you know, unfair practices. And I was, you know, I was, that's, so, that's... I was so proud of the kids at Missouri. I, you know what? I am so proud. You know, everyone wants to blame the teenagers. Haven't our teenagers been showing us the way these last couple of months? They have been, our young people are really fed up, you know, and I, and they're making me so proud. Hey, Darren, what do you think about that, man? What's, what, what's your take on that? The whole Missouri thing? Well, uh, I'm just glad whenever we as a people can come together and accomplish anything. I mean, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, as Casey alluded to, uh, you know, as a 19-year-old, you know, uh, uh, almost adult, uh, adolescent, you know, you shouldn't have to uh, endure these type of practices, unfair practices. You know, you, you pay to go to school or you get a scholarship, you, you want to play ball. Uh, you, you, you don't want, you shouldn't have to experience racism in that atmosphere. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of these schools, uh do and a lot of these presidents don't give a darn. But I think this was an eye-opening thing. Uh, when we come together and we make noise, you will be heard. You will be heard, and especially if you, uh, if you, you the the biggest way, the main way to get the attention of our uh, yes legislators, the, even all the way up to the president, is to let them know that we are becoming aware of where our power lies within our economic stability. I mean, right. just think about mm-hmm. it, man. If we are spending $1.1 trillion a year, where the hell is my money? <laughs> not being <laughs> represented. <laughs> you know, I need to know. It's not in my neighborhood. I don't see evidence right. of nice stores growing up. Uh, going up. I, don't, I, don't, I can't walk through my neighborhood and go into a black-owned store and buy some fubu or some 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 clothes made by black people quality products i can't do that but i can't do it but the money is there that would produce that but i still yeah. can't do it so you 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 see how my i mean it just for me that's taxation that's taxation without representation <laughs> that's that's it's in the it's in the uh, constitution as taxation without representation. You know we are so, we are taxed we are taxed up to our ears, and we aren't getting any. You know we are uh, seeing any of the reaping any of the benefits from. It. You know we you as know, matter of fact, matter of fact are, we are we are uh, seeing the end of a boot. So <laughs> that, that's and, and, but 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 you know what, Daryl. Uh, I hate to be so. See, I'm I'm a blunt person, but the come on with it, man. I'm 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 a grown man. 
<laughs> well, let me let me just say this. There, I am glad all of the uh, the cameras now are showing. That's correct. What what is what is happening in America now with with everybody with the cell phones and. What has the, been uh, happening, body, what they've been cameras. lying about and right, saying right, it's right. not happening, now right, we can see right. it. Now we can see it. And now some of the people are waking up because the, uh, we have really, really been suffering from this illusion of inclusion. We have really been suffering from that. And with the SPIVO organization, I think uh, we can – you know, you know, they'll pull the veil off and say, okay, if you don't have a place for me, you don't have a place for us, then you don't have a place for my money. So let's, That's right. let's, put, let's put our money together and see what That's we right. can do. You know, let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can make a difference together because you see that we are not making they, – they, they do not respect us. You see the thing with the Oscars. We, I, I'm a, I am an avid movie lover. I'm an avid movie goer. I, I, I still, you know, with the bootleg movies, you really don't have to go see them anymore. But I really like to see them and on the big screen. So I am an avid movie goer, and to see that they do not respect us, it, it's time. And and it's time. It's, a, it's, it's, time. A, it's a time to wake up, and it's the time to act. Now they don't have to respect us. As long as we're paying them not to. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm right. saying? Why buy the milk? They can get that dollar. They they don't care. I mean, so look, why would know. they care? Right. We're getting it anyway. Yeah. Well, why would they care? What do they have to change? They have to change nothing. Nothing. Guys, that's my second topic. Y'all jump right in, but I'm glad you did. But <laughs> that's the second topic, uh, Darren. Yeah. Uh, Casey was was had brought something to my attention, man. He was bringing to my attention that uh, we already have a lot of black banks. You know, he was bringing that yeah. to my attention, and I'm I was when I first heard him say that to me, I was thinking, you know what? Yeah, and look at the years that we, they've been in play, and look at what has come about. Absolutely uh-huh. nothing. And nothing. so I'm thinking, okay, so the black banks is watered down, but. Uh, I also had a second thought, and I want you to elaborate on this, uh, Darren. Uh, my second thought was, why should we not use those ba- black banks that's already in existence? Oh, um, I just think it boils down to something as simple as, okay, you put your money in that black bank, and you don't have the convenience of of uh, a larger bank, like uh, let's say Bank of America. Uh, you put your money in there, you go to Bank of America, they got locations everywhere. You, you turn on each corner, and, and and it's convenient, and they're not tired charging you a fee or anything like that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, when you put your money into a, uh, a, a black bank, uh, usually it doesn't have various uh, locations, uh, you know, maybe one, two locations, and then they're charging this enormous fee for to use your ATM card. I mean, let's face it, guys. Well, we 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 don't carry pocket money around like we used to back in the 80s and 90s. We ha- we carry everything on a card now, you know. 
and they're That's charging right. enormous fees to go to an ATM to withdraw that money. And, you know, it's just, I think it just boils down to an inconvenience and not mm-hmm. enough locations. Right, right, right. I, I agree totally with him because I like to travel a lot and uh, going to other cities when you're, when you're in another city and, you know, you just like, like Darren, like Darren just said, you do not carry the pocket money. It's not safe to carry the pocket money uh, like you used to. Uh, and when you go to another city and you would go to an ATM, you know, Chase is every, in every, almost in every city and every state and uh, Bank of America they're almost, and I just went over. I just went over to South Africa, and you know, you could use your ATM card there. You know, it was, it was very convenient. You know, the. I don't, um, I don't think, I don't think, guys, that if we had ten million members and we built yeah. this people organization with that that type of power, I don't believe that we won't be able to put in. You know, the banks in every city, every state. Oh, yeah. We'll have to be able to do that, and we'll have to be able to do it too in a, in, a, in a way where it's going to be very convenient. But let me say this. I am a member of the USAA Bank, and mm-hmm. I put money in that bank with a money order. I go to UPS, and I, I make the money order, go to UPS, and load it up just like I would do an ATM card. Okay, mm-hmm. they're not here in Austin, and so we do everything online. Now it takes a few days to get the money, but if you if you're you know diligent and if you're on top of your game, you'll know you need one hundred fifty dollars, two hundred dollars in two days. So you go, you get that money, and you make sure that you can get it. They also have ATM cards where you can withdraw immediately. You know, it's the transfers and the different services that become a little bit of a delay, but it is possible that you could bank without a physical bank even in the area. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, I, and I would like to say one more thing about the black banks. Uh, mm-hmm. Coming, I just moved to Houston from Chicago, and I'm just, I was so proud of, Chicago, of my roots in Chicago because of the Bronzeville area and who moved out from the Bronzeville area. Chicago used, used to be, the Mecca for black life, you know, and, yeah, you know, it, it hurt my heart that I had to leave because it, you know, our spirits are broken. We, yeah, we had, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in the Inglewood area and I was just so proud of my Inglewood area. And now when you mention it, it, it brings, you know, it, it, it embarks, uh, it embarks, uh, you know, yeah. shame. It's shame right. for me, you know, of gang activity, drug activity, uh, you know. And we did, I did not grow up like that. I did not have to belong to a gang. I did not, uh, I was not a bully. I was not robbing and stealing and, and doing all that. If everyone who knows me, you know, um, know that I I didn't I was the I was the voice of conscience. But saying that, uh, we were my parents showed me. You know, we belong. My parents belonged to Highland Community Bank, which was a which was an African American bank in on the south on the southwest side of Chicago. They had uh, a couple of branches 
And, uh, you know, they showed me how to, uh, you know, uh, circulate, re- well, what is the word? Recirculate or circulate? Circulate our dollar in our neighborhood that it's kept our, our yeah recirculate yeah our, that kept our black businesses open it kept our black schools open it kept you know and we were homeowners so you know uh, our our mortgage was through them uh, and now even with the uh, even with the stock market crash. Of the our recent stock market crash of two, what was that, two thousand eight? You see that Seaway National Bank in Chicago did not fall apart like the rest of the banks because they did not uh, practice on giving uh, high interest loans. They, 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 you know, a lot of people were upset with uh, Seaway Bank and all that because they wouldn't give people home loans. Because they didn't have good credit, <laughs> just so uh, don't be don't get mad at the bank because they did not want to give you a uh, adjustable rate mortgage in which I lost my home because I signed into one of those with my ex-wife, and you know uh, we got a adjustable rate mortgage because uh, one of our credits was bad. We'll just leave that alone. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I understand. The, uh, so the um, point I'm trying to make is that uh, our the uh, Seaway was Seaway is really having trouble now because uh, a lot of uh, you know the African Americans who lived around Seaway were upset with them because they weren't uh, receiving a, a you know in the black community what they call the hookup. And and that is not what they that is not what how they have survived over these years. They have survived by doing good by practicing good business tactics. And and uh you see now that they that they are in trouble right now. You know, the conglomerates are trying to buy up all of our black banks like the conglomerates are trying to buy up everything. You know, right. you know they're they're, they're the upper one percent is trying to buy up everything. Everything is going to be. It's like a bad science fiction movie. Either you're with the company or you are not. So that's what they're trying to do now: is buy up everything. You know, uh, the food. You know, they're. If you look up, if you look far enough up any corporate ladder, you'll see that they have the same ownership. Now, you know, here's, any, here's something that. That I was thinking about as well when you brought that up before, Case. The fact that Seaway is doing poorly now, uh, I believe, and I and I will feel this way. When I was going to Seaway, I'm also from Chicago. uh, I I felt like they did not represent me at all. I didn't think that they were able to help me. Period. I was a member of uh, the other bank down there on Cottage Grove. I forgot what the name of it was, but they mm-hmm. immediately assisted me. Now, Seaway was always hard to get in and, and, you know, get anything done through. Now, I thought, mm-hmm. now, my grandma, she was a part of Seaway National Bank, but she lived right down 87th Street. But right. I thought that Seaway was just, they just had, they just did not represent me, and that was the reason why I did not 
patronize them. Now, a lot of people mm-hmm. may be pulling back because of that. But here's my here's my position. Uh, right. With an organization that we create, uh, it, we this SPIBA, that, that organization, this organization would be obligated to represent that little man in, you know, in Chicago or in New York or in Detroit, you know, that is that's how this is supposed to be built. It's supposed to be built from the ground up. That's where the right. empowerment will come in at. And that's what's going to draw people to it. It's going to be something for them. You know, I call it the WIFM. What's in it for me? Right. WIFM, you know? So right. we we do that. Now, Seaway did not they did not do that. And I understand that they didn't want to loan make bad loans. But at the same time, did they put in back into the community? Did they create jobs? Did they, you know, uh, support the businesses? You know, so that would be my question about the Seaway issue. Well, um, let's <laughs> let me be blunt again. Let me okay. be blunt again. When I have. You know, I I am from a pro-black mom who was a revolutionary. I I, I miss her every day. It, it was it was like you know, um, you know, being raised in a revolutionary home. You see the changing of people's attitudes when uh, everyone's when everyone. Um, came out of the 60s and you kind of knew your enemy or not, uh, I'm not going to say an enemy, but you kind of knew your limitations of where you could move, where you could bank, where you could work, where you could buy your cars, of where you could, you remember we had to, we had to deal with our own. So when this illusion of inclusion came around. That's correct. And they started to you you started to uh get the opportunity to move in these different neighborhoods because if we you know we are so uh because we are from Chicago we are different than everyone else. Um we had our own we had our own grocery stores with the food basket. That's right. Uh, we had our own banks. Uh, I, I never, my doctor was black. My dentist was black. My principal in the school was black. My, you know, everything. And that that is, uh, that is something that, I've, you know, we went to school in Alabama. I've traveled. I, I, that's, I love to travel to see how other black people live. So, when when you talk about our growing up in Chicago, it was different than uh, any other place in the country. Uh, we had a sense of where we needed to, well, I'm not saying needed, where we had to deal with each other. But when this, when they started the, I don't. I thought the segregation, I thought the desegregation killed the black communities because uh, it enabled us to move away from our power base, 
you know, we had a strong power base. I don't know how, I don't know how old you are, Daryl, but I'm 51. I just made 51 in January. And I, my first time voting, we put Harold Washington into uh, the mayoral position in Chicago and having Barack Obama from Chicago, I think that there, you know, it, we there was a program on Channel 11 that said from DuSable to Obama, and it was a it was a movement in Chicago that, you know, that I have trouble talking to people who are not from Chicago. Uh, they do not believe that we can do this on our own. And when I spoke to you about the SPIBA and your passionate uh, view of what we can do, and I think that is because you are from Chicago, because, you know, being from Chicago, Detroit, and all of that, where we worked, and my parents weren't giving any, given anything. We never were on food stamps and aid and all that. My parents worked. My parents worked hard, two, two and three jobs. Uh, give give us uh, a lifestyle that most people, um, you know, when you go to go around to other black communities in the nation, that most people, uh, you know, are not familiar with. And you know, I think, you know, Casey, my dad actually, we back in nineteen sixty seven, sixty six, I think it was. We, yeah, we moved. We moved. We moved uh, from sixty five. We moved in on uh, right off Stony Island on Cottage Grove on uh, King, on uh, Cornell seventy six uh-huh. in Cornell, and that was our first house. It was a huge house. My dad mm-hmm. worked for the railroad for over thirty years. That's where he retired from. So that we wasn't given anything either, and that is where my passion is. Is because we're not going to be given anything. Our our legislators, you know, even all the way up to the president. Praise God, we got a black man in the house, but his he is limited, even in the pulpit, uh, bully pulpit, he is limited in all the things that he can do for black folks. What will make the difference is when we wake up and when we start uniting. And so your conversation and Darren's conversation and my conversation and Kenneth's conversation and Queen Mother's conversation, once we... Uh, get this conversation started and get the buzz going, and then people join. We can, we can, we can change the game on this. It is, mm-hmm. it is something that we can do. You, you, you put me up on a, a website. It's called, and I want everybody to go to this website if you can. It's called Blackout: An Economic Revolution. Now, I, all my boys is on this. Martin, Malcolm, we got uh, Maggie Anderson. We got a brother. Uh, we got a brother called Ferg, Mr. Ferguson. Uh, we have uh, Group Ep- Economics by George Frazier. These guys are just talking about the same thing that we're talking about. Only they were talking about it uh, 50 years ago. So the idea is a is is an old idea, a solid idea. And if you go back even further than that, back into the 1920s, you will find that there was a place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Black the Wall. Black Wall Street, where people mm-hmm. were forced to buy in their own neighborhoods because you couldn't, because of racism, you couldn't buy at a white store. 
Right. That's, that's, and that's what happened in Chicago, and, and our spirits are broken now. I, I I don't understand how people's memory is that short, you know. Oh, yeah. we, this, is, this is in our lifetime. This is what in you, our what, lifetime. What you thinking, Darren? No, I'm just saying how uh, that the, the Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's just funny how okay, we couldn't get certain goods and services in the white neighborhoods, but as soon as we became self-sufficient and independent, that was no good for them because they said, okay, we don't, we can't get those potential dollars anymore. Even if we it was to, better you know, than they had. It was, it was right. better it was than better. they got jealous and they got hungry for black dollars. Dollars, exactly. Well, <laughs> they got hungry well. for that, but they, you know, they took the wrong turn, but this is not going to happen on today because too many things have already uh, happened that that will uh, propel us into this next movement. You know, we got uh, plenty more lawyers and doctors and you know uh, and 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 uh, congressmen. We got business owners. We got intellects. You know, and we got warriors. Now, understand something about the warrior. Exactly. exactly. Understand something about the warrior. There is a place for the warrior. You can't have no bank if you don't have security in that bank. And so if you are the warrior is our you security. You have to protect your investment. You, you have, have to, to protect your investment. So what I'm proposing here, gentlemen, is the fact that we don't just look at these young black men out here that are gangbangers and all that stuff. That's an economic result. They had to group together in order to survive. They exactly. need direction. They, we, we need to give them direction. It is right. up to us, okay, to lead the way. And so we need those warriors, those, 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 those uh, cowardless black men, those, those courage Field men that will that will fight for our right. well-being, fight they for their woman, fight for their children. They have a place, you know. So it's it's this this picture is huge. It oh, is a huge wow. picture, and and it's it's a win-win all the way because immediately, as soon as uh, a certain amount of revenue can be collected, it can be redistributed. That ain't going to do nothing but agitate the whole atmosphere in the SPIBA organization and, and create more people to want to join. They'll see evidence of Ms. Johnson's house being rebuilt. And Ms. Johnson didn't have no money. Mm-hmm. You know, right. but, but that's, that's, she was a member. Right. She is a member. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. From a, I'm, I'm a social worker. Uh, Mm-hmm. Graduated from Mississippi State University School of Social Work in 2008. Took me a little long. Yeah, you but got a hey, pretty, pretty, pretty good resume there, Darren. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tend to look at things from a, a social science perspective. Uh, I mean, we were talking about you know economic growth within the black community and, and jobs and, and power of the dollar and everything, but you know, there's so much more that's needed. I mean. Uh, uh, Loans for homes, uh, uh, black businesses, small loans, daycare centers for those 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 moms, uh, community centers, job training, after school programs, clinics, tutoring it programs, is so much. you know, athletic programs, and but you know how these centers that you may see how they get that money, they 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 get grants, and and, and they, right. they those those those. Uh, those public, those uh, community service blo- 
pay the people to run these programs. They're able to buy equipment. They're able to do whatever. You know, if only there was a way that we could just get together, somebody could start a movement where we could just put all our black dollars together. Uh, this is the same. Baby. <laughs> this is the same. It's called Spieber, baby. Yeah, we 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 can fund those things ourselves, you know. And, and people, if if they just really look and 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 see the concept, we can turn that concept of ten million people together putting in money where you don't have to worry about. It. You're not putting the money down a well, you know. You're not throwing it away. This is actually going to happen. There's a board that governs this money. They decide what projects they're going to do. I mean, we can build hospitals. We can build schools. We can schools, build up black communities that are, are are relying on the government for uh, programs and, and block grants. That they constantly cut. They're constantly cutting those. Right. Who, why would you cut uh, first, uh, first starts? Why would you cut a program like that when you know it's essential to the development of the young young uh young kids? But here's something else though, guys. Our black women, seventy five percent of black women in America have hysterectomies. Why oh, do you wow. think that is? Wow. So they they're trying 75%. to seventy five percent. They're trying to thin the herd. Thank you, sir. All mm-hmm. I see is genocide. That's all I see. Yep. My wife oh. goes to the hospital, goes to the doctor. This this guy, she says, now she's not hurt. It's not painful or anything. She says she have fibroids, had them for years. They're not yeah, growing. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not doing any of that. So right. the first thing he suggests with me sitting in the room is that she should get a hysterectomy. Man, I called that, that doctor out on that Ooh. immediately. Wow. I said, well, how many how many black women do you know that have a hysterectomy? He he gave me the statistics, but I had already looked it up, right? And I said, so seventy five percent of black women have hysterectomies. Have anybody tried to figure out why black women are susceptible to to uh, fibroids more than any other nationality in America? And right. how do you stop it? Now, now, tell me about that, Doc. Don't tell me about how to make my woman sterile. Talk to me about prevention uh, for my daughter. Chris Rock had a good point in the black hair in the black hair film now, in the in the documentary about the you know about the black hair about the fibroid tumors. You know, it, it may maybe it maybe it is from the perms and. You know the chemicals that the women are putting in their hair. You know, maybe well, it is. I don't know. It's, birth control is what got my first wife uh, yeah. fibroid. It was that right. heel, and they knew right. it, and they gave it to her. And then uh, when they started developing, she stopped using them. But the fibroids kept growing. Eventually, right. she had a fibroid in her in her belly that was as big as a cantaloupe, and she was and she was a thin woman. She was very petite. And 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 when they took it out, it was like it was disgusting. But I, all I could see, all I could, all I could think is how and why. My grandmother did. My great grandma, he never had no hysterectomy or no fibroids. Well, I'm trying not to be the conspiracy theorist over here, and but, uh, you know, I do believe that uh, birth control, especially in certain uh, area codes. You know, they, they give it out to you. Know, Having in Flint now? 
think about that. Think about that. So this is cultural. It's systemic. It has been going on for for, for decades. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jim Crow was the second slavery, and now mm-hmm. here comes genocide. Here comes economic disparity. Okay, mm-hmm. these are all uh, stems from the first hundred years that was atroc that was an atrocity uh, performed upon black folks. You know, before the 16th century, before uh, slavery, which developed in the 18th century, the 16th century, there were black folks in America as indentured servants. Yeah. They were able Nova to culture. work. They were able to gain uh, homes. They were had they had cattle. They had land. All of that. Slavery didn't develop until the 18th century out of an economic need to harvest cotton, pick uh, tobacco, which other folks could not bear the, the heat, and that's why there's a concentration of black folks in the South. Mm-hmm. Now, but now, now, now we're considered lazy. Now we're considered la- lazy, but we were the best workers in the world. But now... See this that's the uh, that's the um that's, that's the racism the lies that America that right. Right. That's, that's the, the lies that we, that we bought. And and listen, there has to be a lot of lies. There has to be some deceit in order to keep your mind locked in. So mm-hmm. that you, you 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 don't see what's actually happening on the outside. I gave a I gave a uh, an example of uh, I don't know if I blogged about it or, or not, but think about it this way. You, you you put some starving rats in a little box, and then you throw a crumb in that box and watch those rats kill each other for that crumb. Now, there's no benefit to the winner because there is after the crumb is gone, there is still no more food left, so he will die of starvation anyway. That is the mm-hmm. scenario that, that black folks face. But mm-hmm. we're not rats, and we're... We're, we're, we're God's original people, and, and understand this. We are so intelligent, and, and it's so easy for us to unite that we are the biggest threat to America. Well, that's, that's why they implemented, our government implemented the COINTEL pro, program, uh, you know, uh, during the civil rights movement to curtail the next black leader. That's that is you know I, I was a criminal justice major, and I was just so um, disillusioned from the truth. Disillusioned from you know studying it and becoming a part of what you were think thinking. You know when I came out of Inglewood, I thought I was going to help it by yeah. joining the criminal justice system. Until I started studying it and 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 seeing the systematic racism in it, you know yes. what was going on in Louisiana, what was going on in in Texas, what was going on, and then then when Reagan came, and uh, see that's that's what I'm trying to say about our memories. Uh, when Reagan came and privatized the prisons, that's why the schools aren't getting better. When you when you were saying that we're losing, when Darren was saying that we're losing the funding. For these programs, why if the you know Jesse Jackson says something um it was in the nineties, and you know everything he says is not correct, but he he right. like like any of our black leaders i don't I don't look at 
I don't look at them as I'm not a big follower of a of a person, and I don't look at look at him for perfection because we are right. human beings. Right. But right. when he said uh, that they how they were building how they projected on building more prisons, they look at third third grade black boys reading level. He said that people people just jumped all over him. How could he how could he say something so insensitive and and I was like, uh he's telling you the truth. That is the truth to the matter. And and that Cointel Pro along with the privatizations of the prisons, along with privatizations of our public educations with the with the uh, charter schools is a system of funneling our young black men into the prison systems which is a which is a uh if ever if anyone who is listening to this program now will go on the wall street and look at prison systems which is which is called um now it's called uh oh I can't think of the name of it. It used to in the nineties it was prison systems, but now it's uh oh, I can't think of the name. Oh, it'll come to me. But that but, is but, the but Casey, I hear exactly what you're saying. It's even deeper mm-hmm. than that. Because once okay. you become a felon, then you are uh you are you are you are you can't vote, you can't get into schools right. You can't get a job. You can't buy a house. So you are disenfranchised. And so what will you do? You are going to do something criminal, and that's going to route your butt right back to that jail system. So that's what they need. They need continuous bodies going into that system for the profit. Now, that's intentional. That is why the rate of recidivism, you know, once you make it, do a crime, you get caught, you go to prison. They want that. They want that circle. They want that cycle because it's is is big money. I mean, it's, do you want deep? Do you want deep? Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of hip hop music. Okay, back in the '80s, it was all in early '90s. It was all about the party, having fun. But then all of a sudden, you heard that gangster stuff that was uh, uh, telling you to, you know. Uh, uh, glamorizing drugs and gangs and guns and shooting and calling women bitches. The prisons had something to do with funding Ice Cube and Dre and, and Easy E and all that because music is so influential to young Absolutely. black people that Absolutely. they're going to try to portray what those songs are doing. You know, I right, went before that. One, uh, Superfly. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! You understand? God. So it went. It went beyond that. I mean, yeah. and then what happened was they dumped guns and drugs. I can guarantee you, there is no black person or organization that is bringing truckloads of heroin oh, into no. this country. There mm-hmm. is no black person running guns like that into the black community. All of that mm-hmm. are outside inf- uh, influences that is intentionally dumping these uh, things into the community, and that's all that these young people have to work with. And mm-hmm. so that creates that, that creates that cycle, okay? You got guns, you got drugs, you got no economic development, you got starvation, you got kids 
getting getting sick. You got schools closing down. You got people moving out. So what what do you have left but degradation? And then mm-hmm. that creates a cycle. And so mm-hmm. here's where we need to be. See, SPIBA is not an organization that just collects money. SPIBA is an organization that first talks about let's renew our minds. Let's start mm-hmm. teaching our children something different. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about how you're going to be dressing so you don't seem to be somebody's threat. Let's talk about how you're going to represent yourself when you get pulled over by the police. It's not if. It's when you get pulled over. Here's what you do. You understand? And so that's not that's, that's, that's what we have to start teaching. Now, understand this. If we teach that and then also teach the uh, economic value that people represent, that's mm-hmm. That's a total picture, right? And that's where it began right. to change. You know, right. that's where it began to change, guys. We got about uh, eleven minutes left, and so Darren, yes, what you got on your mind, man? Give me something. Give me something hot. Uh, about three minutes of it, and tell me what, you, what, what, which direction you're going in. Well. Like I said, as a social worker, I, I look at, at just the, the 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 society, you know, and, and where we're at, where we've been, where we're going, what we can do. Uh, it's always been a dream of mine to have a community center uh, or a civic center. Casey uh, can attest to this. Uh, when we were in college, we had a coach who had a community center, a civic center, and he had all type of programs, had everything in there. And uh, if you lived in that area, I believe it was uh, free or very low cost to, you know, come there, work out, have a banquet there, have a party there, have a, a grad, you know, anything, you know. Had after school uh, tutorials, uh, had uh, job training programs, uh, you know, a free clinic uh, once a week, uh, daycare programs. And that's that's my dream. I want to have a center like that. Um, the only way that one can uh, obtain this is uh, to be rich, in which I'm not, or to uh, get uh, grants from the government uh, that will enable you to build such a center. Uh, my whole thing is, why wait on the government if we all get together? There could be a center like this in every major city, suburb, small town, whatever. If we every all... every one of them, D. Every single yeah. one of them that could be a and look the the up of the up of that is it automatically create jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And see, the, I, I always wanted to be. My dad was a businessman, a shrewd businessman. He had a he was one of the first black uh, uh, CTA bus drivers, trolley drivers, and then he was. Uh, he owned a, a Clark gas station on 167th and Wood Street, Hazelcrest, Illinois. And it was a store be, beyond his time. This is back in 68 and 70. He had like a convenience store and a gas station like you see now at every one back then. So he was a man before his time. He was a good businessman. And he was an employer of the community. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's always what I wanted to do. And I'm just saying, we can do this, man. If we all just come together, oh, we can definitely individuals. We can fund these programs. We can fund these centers. We can have hospitals, schools, uh, job training, daycares, just everything, everything. So, 
Your so it's alone. bigger than it's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than any of this that we're talking about. It is huge. Casey, what you got, man? We we got about uh, seven minutes left. Well, I just wanted to um, start off by. Uh, going out, uh, everyone today who's listening to this, go out and speak to to people who look like you. Go out and talk to them. I know that we have been separated by age, gender, all of this stuff that, that these people are putting these obstacles in our way. Let's remove these obstacles and start speaking to each other. And speaking, you know, I know it's going to be hard speaking to our younger generation because they think that we failed them. You know, I, I can't, I can't uh, say with a straight face that they should listen to us. Why should they listen to us? Because we have failed them. We have um, showed them nothing but uh, discontent and uh, how to. A wreck a perfectly running machine by letting outside sources destroy what we what we had before you hear what we are talking about our parents and uh um, guys we, listen, uh, I want to thank both of you guys for coming on this show man this show uh is I, I'm I'm getting chills, you know, because what I'm hearing is I'm hearing like-minded people saying to me that, dude, you got the right idea. Let's get this show on the road and let's start doing something. Now, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take uh, us to recruit, get out there and, you know, get people joined in. It starts with you have to buy the book. The book is called The Superior Power in Black America. And what it talks about is our economic strength and how we should be uniting that strength to build up black America. We can do it as a whole. You can get it at lulu.com. It retails for $20, $21, but you get a 5% discount, and it ships in a day. Now, yeah, I'm pushing the book, but the book is the idea. It's not the book. I would rather give every book away if I could get the point across. Amen. But the point is, you got to buy the book. If you buy the book, you'll read it. You know, you'll read it. I have given a lot away. I'm still shipping them out. Uh, The other thing is, I want to thank Casey Coleman, and I want to thank thank, uh, Darren, my my man Darren Carter. Uh, I met these guys not even a week ago, and I think – I think what I'm feeling is a kindred spirit between us. And so, again, I want to say thank you guys for for coming on this show. Uh, I do want to thank Queen Mother for allowing us to even have a show. And uh, you guys, I want you all to come back, man. I want you all to come back as often as you can. I'll be calling. I'll be reaching out. We're friends now, so we'll be talking all the time. I got right. ideas, and I want to put them together with you guys, and I want y'all to be a part of this whole movement, man. You know, once we get in on the ground floor and we grow, then it's just a matter of, you know, keeping things running smooth. I, what mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want Spiever to be an organization taking over like BET. I don't want Spiever to be an organization influenced by money. You know, it is a tremendous, like these churches, it is a tremendous amount of money. It is a tremendous source that we could put together. Ten million people 
putting $25 into a uh, credit union creates $250 million a month, mm-hmm. a month. That is tremendous. It is a game changer, and that turns out to be about $3 billion a year. With that money, $3 billion, you could pay taxes with $1 billion. You could uh, rebuild the business with the uh, another billion, and you can return another billion back to the communities. We could select a 1,000 families and give a million dollars to each family at the end of the year, and that would only amount to $1 billion because a billion dollars is a 1,000 million. And so we can create a 1,000 black millionaires that is obligated to stay with the company, put money back into it, open up some businesses in the community that they're in, and, and, and keep this process moving. And why Absolutely. would we stop at 10 million people? Let's do it. Let's do it. Good night, y'all. Y'all have a great all right. night. All right. You and all, you all have a good night.